hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. To hamster with a blunt penknife, and this is going to be episode two of Arc of Inanity. So Arc of Infinity, <laughs> and I cleaned that up a bit at the last minute. Um, <laughs> Arc of Anarchy. No, Arc of Infinity is what I want. Okay. <laughs> oh come on, yeah. we've had the gay porn scene. You know, um, I have been called the the Arc of Infinity many times. You know, we've had the gay porn scene. We've had the commenting on someone's weapon. Um, you know. And we've had three we've had three chickens in there so far. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's enormous. Don't worry about it. It can all fit. Oh God. Um. So yes, yeah, so far the the story so far. We'll do that kind of the, that terribly BBC thing that they did before they previously on Doctor Who. Okay. Uh, the TARDIS has been invaded. Two backpackers have invaded a crypt and crept out again when something crept in. And one crapped himself. Um, we've, had, we've, we've had some terribly, terribly informative in Amsterdam scenery. And we've had the most 1980s set for Gallifrey, which is straight out of Habitat. Forget Ikea. This was Gallifrey, the chintzy Habitat years. Budget Habitat. Budget yeah. Habitat. <laughs> The but, TK Maxx of as Habitat. Said, it is, it's the functional council offices, and you know how much, in reality, you know, we're lucky they didn't decide it was the Gallifrey equivalent of a porter cabin. That's very true. Yeah, because yeah. we, we do get there with some stories. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so um, we, we've yet to have the surprise returning character, though. Who's that? Um... The bitch on, so the mouth on legs, you know. Oh, of course. Oh, I, I don't think of her as a returning character because she only left in the last story. The, the thing is, you know, but that was the thing. She left. And is she now on the run from the police? What makes you say that? Well, she turns up in Amsterdam, which mm. is, of course, kind of, you know, a well-known place of morality, pureness and, mm. and everything. Not when I visited, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have a real, again, something that really, I think, kind of has n not really been. F I know there's the waters of Amsterdam where we learned about the the affair that Teague. It was fun. I like that one. Yeah. But there's one real big question that hangs over Teagan. Like, why is she not in police custody? What did she do wrong? Her aunt has gone missing. She was the last person seen with her aunt. She was then kind of, <laughs> you know, involved oh, yeah. in, you know, there was a policeman killed. They've forgotten about all of that. Yeah. <laughs> Not the police, and, I mean the scriptwriters. And, and then she, you know, depending upon when you think the different stories are set, I mean, you know, this, according to Big Finish, is officially 1983. Legopolis is 1981. Yeah. So she's been missing for, what, two years? Well, it depends when time flight is. But basically, kind of like, you know, she didn't turn up for work. Her aunt went missing. A policeman died. And the last person seen in conjunction with all of these was Tegan Javanka. And, you know, she 
she's very quick to get in that TARDIS at the end of she's Arkham really Infinity, isn't she? Yeah, in that TARDIS at the end. Yeah, I'm sorry, but that I lost my job thing. Bullshit. He never had the job. She is on the run from the police. She's wanted for murder. <laughs> that would have been a much better story than what we get as well, you know. You know, this, this is a police chasing them around Amsterdam. That yeah, would have been I mean, great. But I mean, it does raise the question, you know, depending upon when time flight is set, you know, how did she even cope when she got back? Because she would have lost her house. She would have been declared missing, presumed dead, possibly, because she disappeared for however long. You know. How long is it? I can't. I can't remember if episode two tells us how long it is since time flight. But you know, she lost her job. Well, how did she even get her job back? Given that she never started it, you know, you never turned up on the first day, love. You know, <laughs> unless you're Nadine Doris, you can't get away with not doing your job for literally a year and still get paid. And it's baffling that they are not thinking on this level at all in the 80s, are they? They are in the new series, right? When Rose chipped this off is, and they, yeah. you know, when she was gone, we had a work thing about, you know, Jackie person. Put, putting Dog Monk through Nikki's yeah, box this, and all, that, all of that. This, but, I mean, and it, it's ripe to be picked as well. JNT loves soap. Yeah, it's baffling. It really is. The fact that we never had the revenge story where both Tegan and Nyssa go after the master who's yeah. murdered. Yeah. Well, let's face it, the master literally murdered one third of the universe. It was forgotten about within an episode. Yeah, it's, it, there are no consequences in AT Who, is there? Finish. They should do a story where basically kind of like the Doctor has landed in that third of the universe, literally the day before it's due to be destroyed. And it's like, you know, it's a frantic race against time before every single thing around him is evaporated. But no, that's completely forgotten, you know. Do you know what is it? And I'm so programmed with this stuff that I never would have thought of that until you brought it up about Deacon's on and everything, you know. It's just, again, it's just this weird thing that, as you say, it's kind of like, I mean, here's a carpet, let's sweep it under it really yeah. quickly, you know. All just skipped over so we can get back to the techno babble, you know. Yeah. Right. Um that so, was great. What a great opening to episode two. Everyone's we're about been to like, encounter oh. criminals, Tegan. We're about to encounter <laughs> chickens and Tegan's cousin and his friend. <laughs> I'm like, I am going to try and defend the Ergon when we see him in full light. Oh wow. Well. <laughs> I'd like to see you try. You're gonna hear it, right? A great big rubber chicken. Oh, okay. I can't wait. I can't You're wait. to do the countdown. You always give me great new angles, you know. Um, five. <laughs> yeah, but, but enough about Amsterdam. Anyway, <laughs> very satisfying angles. Three, two, one. Let's go. <laughs> this is a this is a surprisingly good story to talk about, isn't it? Oh. Half the time, you know, the ones that are sort of a bit naff are. Yeah. I mean, because this you can based... talk about the potential. Yeah. And also, this is very much the kind of the spirit of Mystery Science Theater 3000, whatever it's called, where basically it is people heckling old science fiction movies. Yeah. I, um, I, many, many years ago, I don't know, uh, Alex and Richard, um, if you, Alex Wilcock and Richard Flowers, if you listen to this, thank you for all those science fiction nights you held. They were magnificent. And yes, 
thank you for giving me the opportunity for when Joe Grant tells the brigadier, oh, you can't, and my, me piping up, what did she call him? Yeah. <laughs> 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 right, you'll notice, by the way, that the cliffhanger's been re-edited. Oh, no, it's, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, yeah. Oh, there he is, he's getting up. <laughs> oh, look at Colin Baker, he's just mildly disinterested, isn't he? You, you can see him in that rehearsal room where J&T went up to him and went, look, yeah. What are you doing? This isn't all about you, you know. Right. Gallifrey and hairdressers. We've had yes. Gallifrey and interior decorators. It's just, it's really telling that actually kind of even on Gallifrey, the women feel the need to have this really extravagant hairstyle. Coiffured hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And again, once more, we get this JNT dis- determination to make the TARDIS not a safe space. He's now actually a prisoner in his TARDIS. Yeah. And it kind of works on Gallifrey, doesn't it? Yeah. Because this is where the TARDIS came from. Yeah. Oh, he's removed the... Oh, look at those roundels all lit up orange. And look at... And actually, that is an interesting component. Much better than that crap we saw behind the roundel. It's got weird fluidy stuff in. Mm. It moves. It doesn't look like anything. It's that sofa from Time Lash. Sorry. And, and also from Robots of Death, from yeah. Blake Seven, yeah. you name it. Now, very important to notice, they have actually ditched the collars. The collars are obviously their ceremonial stuff. I mean, I, I meant to check the, the Deadly Assassin script because someone did say, and I don't know if they're serious or not, that Robert Holmes envisaged those collars to be kind of like the rarely seen ceremonial kind of occasion oh. stuff. And yeah, it's not really that... what how they ended up, is it? No, but notice that now we're back to kind of everyday business. They're not walking around in the collars. It's only when they're actually doing the council business and stuff like that. Do you know how they're trying to sort of um, big up those sets with shitty yeah. bits of art <laughs> on plinths? Right. Oh, here she comes. Right. And you can tell that we're running short on this episode because this is now... 20, 21, 22, 23. <laughs> Many seconds of a aeroplane landing. Yeah. I do like that. There's not enough of this in the 80s. There's not enough of contemporary Earth. No. And and also say it is very nice that they've actually, you know, it is very obviously properly filmed in Amsterdam. Mm. It's not like the kind of the old 60s stuff where it's the back projection and every single building in France overlooks the Eiffel Tower. You know. Here she comes now, looking a bit shifty. Yeah. Wondering if, if the detective is behind her. Oh, she's got the holdalls. She's got, you know. And, yeah. Actually, I mean, I quite like the, the jacket that doesn't have the lapels, you know. The I don't think that's a terrible... It's a much better look than her purple uniform in season so 19. Yeah. She feels like a human being now. Yeah, yeah. She And she's got the she's got a better hairstyle. You know, basically, she's changed her appearance to get away from the police. But irritatingly, she does wear this for the next sort of four or five stories, doesn't she? Well, only the booby-tuby bit. She doesn't wear the jacket over the top, which probably would have, would have prevented the spillage. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, you know... There's a second story on the trot as well, where we've been wandering around an airport. Yeah. Isn't it? I swear JNT's trying to get those air miles for free. Yeah. Or duty free. Oh, I love Colin so much. He could enliven any scene. Yeah. And he, 
you know, he's got the experience of the baddie from the brothers. You know, he plays it as a bastard. You know. That and... glorious story he tells in the commentary about Paul Jericho asking him to go and get get him a drink. And he goes and gets it because he thinks he's, you know, some lowly member of the production crew. <laughs> and then when he realises he's one of the principal actors in it. Yeah. And again, you criticise the cafe thing, but why shouldn't a cafe look like anything other than a cafe? I just expect more. I do, I expect more because it's Gallifrey, and yeah. I've been I've been led up the garden path. I think to, this is to one, think I of think, it as this great citadel, you know, yeah. impressive I think, technology. I think this is the curse of fandom from the seventies, where we've been told what Gallifrey is, where we've been told this, that, and the other about the Time Lords, without any thought given to the practicality, the reality, the likelihood, you know basically kind of you know you say it's champagne taste and beer money yeah <laughs> i know but like weirdly enough contrasting the gallifreyan cafe and yeah. the amsterdam cafe i know which one looks more believable yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and again we're now back into the calls because this is now a formal interrogation you know they, they there is a little bit of kind of you know logic about when the collars are on and when they're not Oh, we're talking about Romana now. Yeah. And, and we're, we're, we're doing a deep dive into continuity. But notice they don't mention um, um, Leela and, and her boy toy, Rodan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wouldn't that have been great if it was Leela? Mind you, I think Andred is pretty cute as well. Christopher Lillycrap. No, no, Christopher Tranchel, rather, yeah. Yeah. Um, I uh, When I first watched this, yeah, I knew without anyone telling me anything, because I didn't really know much about the background of this story, that Michael Goff was the villain, just because he was the most amiable of the bunch. Yeah. And you just Obviously, know straight away, if anyone's over-friendly... <laughs> yeah. It's, it's again, it's uh, a cliche. You know, it's kind of like, you know, anyone who is, you know, friendly... Right. Important question. What the fuck is Barusa doing to get through his regeneration so quickly? This is his third appearance in his third body. It's not talked about much, is it? I no, know we get all these iterations like of, but we and then there's a fourth, isn't there, in the five doctors? In the five doctors, and no one seems to kind of question it, comment on it. I, I think isn't there a comment on it in Invasion of Time, where they say your recent regeneration has not improved your something like that? Yeah, yeah, something like that. But basically, kind of like you know, given how quickly these those three stories are set and five doctors. I mean, we we thought the doctor got through his. Body. <laughs> the doctor lasts longer, yeah. Yeah, and he's I mean, hearing around the universe, having death-defying adventures. What has Barusa been getting up to? I mean, I refuse. I'm refu surprised that novel hasn't been written. You know, or that big finish audio. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I refuse to believe it's all Death Zone related, because at this stage, I can't even see him as being the Death Zone Barusa. You know. And I've heard people say like the characterization is inconsistent because yeah. in Deadly Assassin he's like the you know, the disapproving mentor. Yeah. In Invasion of Time, it, they've got a really lovely relationship in that. Yeah. Oh. And then here, I just don't see any connection between the two of them at all in this story. By the way, interesting again, proof that Time Lords can grow facial hair. Hmm. So is Shooty going to kind of be born with his tash? In that case, was Barusa born with that tash? And in that case, why the hell didn't he shave it off as soon as he grew 
mean, again. Oh, Jay, what are we supposed to take from all of this? Can bonding occur without the full imprint of Bioscan? Like, this is so boring. It is. The, the thing is, again, yeah, they've got 25 minutes and they were allocated four episodes. They could have done Arc of Infinity as a three-episode story and tightened these scenes up a lot. But they're talking about the Doctor's... Like, they're talking about murdering the Doctor. But How could they possibly boil that down to such a mundane level? Because this is Gallifrey. Because Gallifrey doesn't do exciting. But it's That's still a... TV. And, and again, <laughs> this is why, actually, going back to Gallifrey is a, is a bad mistake. idea. Yeah. Because Gallifrey is not by nature an exciting place and this is worth her weight in gold in these scenes because she's the only one injecting any you know when she goes what so much for your justice like she stepped out of a period drama she waves guns around and yeah that's fat i love those bits Mm. um lovely continuity with the guards uniforms by the way Mm, yeah Yeah. well they probably had them in storage i hope so i you know i i <laughs> it makes me wonder kind of how much foreplanning they do when they put things into storage. I'm sorry, Colin Baker left there with a swish of his cape. <laughs> yeah, sorry. He steals every scene. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Colin's doctor? Um he is magnificent on Big Finish. I worship his comic strips, and I think he is. I think he was the first one where they attempted to do a story character arc of him gradually humanizing the same way that kind of we saw what happened to the tenth doctor when he didn't have a human around him. And I I really genuinely think that if we'd had the proper originally planned season 23, we would have seen the mellowing, That's we would gradual. have seen the development. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with season 22 is it's a character arc that gets cut off and changed. You know, what's I weird th- is between Mind Warp and Terror of the Vervoids, that kind of softening entirely takes place. And suddenly he's this lovely, yeah. cuddly, funny I, doctor. It's just, you know, he was very badly treated. I think he could have been an amazing doctor in terms of character development personality development eccentricity i mean you've got to remember that the doctor is not human you know yeah he is a time lord why should he be compassionate why should he be this that and the other he yeah. embodies that sort of alienness doesn't yeah. he he's you, you, you've only got to watch this to see that mm. you know once he plays the doctor all eyes will be on him yeah because, you know, I mean, I did say as well about Davison, like, giving a good performance in this. But you put him in a scene with Colin Baker, you ain't yeah. looking at Davison. And actually, that guard we just saw was quite cute. I noticed that earlier, you know. <laughs> I didn't want to... I've said so many um, pervy things in this now. I just didn't want to <laughs> add another to the list. Yeah. You know, this this is prototype trial of a time world. You can see where the the physical layout of the courtroom and everything comes in. You know, the Gallifreyans are static. They are dull. They are they are not passionate people. You know what these scenes are very like? Keeper of Traken. People yeah. sitting around debating things. I believe that was also read written by Johnny Byrne. Byrne yeah. Um and oh, also, you see they've done a bit of a glass shot there. Did you notice that? Yeah. That, just to give the ceiling a bit of height. Yeah. 
Oh, I, I like this fella. What's his name? Damon. Um, Damon, yeah. <laughs> He's nice. The one, the one thing that really bugs me is that they've gone with two shades of beige for his for his outfit. He's a great, he's a lovely character. He's a friendly, you can actually almost see him as kind of if Tegan hadn't come back, he could have been a Popping companion. in. They keep, you know what, in the 80s, they keep doing this. Uh, almost would be male companions, because I think Chayla in Snake Dance yeah. would have been a great companion as well. It's it's like JNT is auditioning a certain type. Mm. <laughs> and you watch season 22... There's somebody in every single story, you know, John Dar, Luke Ward, and and, and, if, and, if, and if one of Sills muscled leather bound, oh please, S and M would if they had joined the TARDIS, I would not have complained. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Never stop watching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Hedin was the one person who said, "Can't we delay the execution?" Yeah, guilty is him. Yeah. <laughs> but as I said, you know. They haven't disguised the voice because Hedin wouldn't have disguised his voice. So we've kind of, you know, we've got those clues. But as you say, the clues are in the dialogue. You know, it's not actually, you know, a complete, completely based on the cliche. There are hints and everything. <laughs> oh, you can withdraw. <laughs> <laughs> if you try and lose yourself in the corridors of yeah. the TARDIS, my men will hunt you down. So they're going for a bit of drama. Yeah. Do you know what, though? We haven't actually talked about the direction, and it is very static. But the trouble is, again, when we're talking about Time Lords, I mean, he's in a bloody skirt. (laughs) Is he the first first gender fluid uh, that we've had in... um... (gasps) I think Damon is as well, isn't he? No, that's what I mean. That's Damon. Oh, but so is Michael Goff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, the costumes are quite telling, you know, they are very enlightened people when it comes to also, gender fluidity. Actually, gender and gender roles and everything don't necessarily mean what they do to humans. You know. Do you see those crystals coming out of Michael Goff's head? He looks like a rhinoceros. <laughs> and again, some lovely touches with the, the furniture in the background. You know, the... Did you notice Nissa's skirt from... Black Orchid yeah. was on the on oh, the stand. Yeah, J and T. When he does continuity, when he does kind of little touches, they do them so well. But instead of doing little touches like which costumes are on, do big touches like Tegan avenging the death of her aunt. Like I yeah. put put your attention in the right place. Yeah. But unfortunately, I think like when when you're a uh, mm, your old geek, yeah, a young geek. It's those little details that you probably the, want the, more. The, oh the, my god, that was from Black Orchid, you know. Yeah. Like... I mean, when um when Turlo arrives in Mordred and Dead and he takes over Adric's room, I mean, basically, it's almost like you should freeze frame that shot and kind of have the pop up video type kind of. Here's the star chart from. Here's the Kinder necklace from here. <laughs> and you know you can chart those triangular walls going yeah. right back to the mutants. Yes. But I mean, yeah, you say it's very static direction, but the story, you think the, the story doesn't massively kind of have scenes on Gallifrey where you know you require huge amounts of kind of. It's only in episode four where it suddenly turns into the runaround that you actually need you know the high high energy um, direction. I think it's kind of quite static there as well. If I'm honest, he does a lot of long shots that's of them running from. That's why I'm justifying it for episodes one, two, and three. 
But you know, but then I question why would you put this script at the beginning of a season with long wordy dull scenes so that doesn't require yeah. any kind of what dynamism. Would, what, what would have been amazing is if they had done say a two-part opening where it was just the Doctor and Nyssa where they held Tegan back till the second story. Mm. So you could have a kind of a a big high powered opening which wasn't dominated by Janet Fielding who dominates every bloody thing she does could she please shut her goddamn bloody mouth on behind the sofa and let the other two speak for once <laughs> the only person that can get a word in is Wendy Pabry and she's yeah. insulting her the whole time Sarah Sutton I think could be absolutely amazing on behind the sofa she has her moments you know I was watching it with Nathan and he was saying Sarah Sutton is making genuine like critique on what they're watching. And that's what I would like to hear from her. I don't want Janet Fielding's constant bitching. Please, Janet, no. when you do season 22, season 21, or you do season 20, could you hold back on the bitching and let the others speak? I think the biggest the biggest problem is that she's always got a negative bent to yeah. what she's saying. So she's never sort of coming at this stuff positively. What, what, it, what it sadly reminds me of is it reminds me of the X Factor who got it from things like Opportunity Knocks, where you've got the three judges judging the Variety Act and they've got their roles and one of them has to be the bitch. One of them has to be the baddie. And, so, and that particular sofa, Peter, Sarah and Janet, they're too playing to their roles yeah but when you get people like matthew waterhouse um who is very knowledgeable and very literate and seriously um he's such away... a smart bloke it, well, when i went to my last convention he was the, the most interesting person to listen to comics who do the things like the paradise towers comics and omega and stuff like that they've done they do um commentaries for classic who as part of their value-added packages Matthew Waterhouse has done some, and he is brilliant. Let Matthew Waterhouse speak. You know, he knows his stuff. Right. Okay, um, interesting lighting effect on the TARDIS. We've got green lighting inside the TARDIS. Mm. And again, you know, we've actually got an attempt to start making things that look like Gallifreyan technology. I, You know, that shot at the start with the wires and everything is just so misjudged. But it, I mean, Attack of the Cybermen is awful for it when when Colin is doing things with the roundel and its circuit boards. It's the inside of a PC, isn't it? They've bought yeah. some random circuit boards and shoved them behind the roundels. Oh, I don't know though. These these vacuum plastic form guns. But oh, again, they look so cheap. But again, we're judging it kind of, you know, as a, a visual thing. Why should guns look? kind of you know well it is called television yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm trying to approach this from kind of you know an in-story perspective you know we why would they need to make something showy when it does the job yeah. i think, get what you're saying this is this is this is one of the things that i think kind of again science fiction overdoes it overdoes the glitz the glamour and the kind of you know and we've come to expect it now as and well. That's the problem. We've been we're Pavlovian. You know, we're we're trained to salivate as soon as we see something flashing, flashing lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the real world. I mean, you you look at. I mean, I'm surrounded by PCs and technology. 
none of them have got big flashing lights on. They're just boring screens, you know. Okay, there's one. One is showing Arkham Infinity. I've got you on one. Is I, I don't think I need the bangs and whistles. I just need something that sort of excites my eyes creatively. Yeah. But actually, I mean, because a lot of classic who does. Yeah, this doesn't. But a lot of classic who does. And again, if you think of, I mean, approaching it from the the kind of the functionality and the science point of view, you just saw Nissa changing the setting on the dial. That's a really nice touch. Oh. Uh, no, because I've yeah. got the. Uh, she got changed the... it from stun to kill. <laughs> I've got the the new special effects on, and yeah, the guards kind of have a glowy effect around them when they're oh, okay. shot. Um, but again, real pomposity. They still feel the need to have parchment. You know, there's actually a real effort made to show just how stale and and static Gallifreyan society is. And can I say, after watching the coronation of King Charles recently, I feel as if we're sort of following in their footsteps. Yeah. Um, Stuck in the past. The uh, the the zombie slave, by the way, him standing there with his head slightly to one side. Again, this is the era of Day of the Dead and Dawn mm. of the Dead and stuff like that. I mean, you know, his it is so influenced by the zombie movies. It is unbelievable. Even kind of like that kind of vacant stare in the eyes, you know. It's kind of, kind of oh. So, do you think maybe like the the it's the juxtaposition that yeah is it awkward here? Because on the one hand, you've got yeah okay someone being possessed and a monster and yeah. dark crypts, and on the other hand, you've got politics in Kyle. conference rooms, yeah. and we're sort of going back and forth between the two in a very yeah. awkward way. And I think kind of that's you know. The, the I... problem is, because it is Gallifrey, it would be unheard of for them to do this to the Doctor without pontificating. Right. Um, this cliffhanger really upset me when I saw it first time around. Omega, by the way, actually in positive, not in negative. We've got, again, we've got some control... I, Okay, I'll save the Ergon comments for episode three when the Ergon is, is more visible, because I do want to defend the Ergon. Okay, we've got the the dry ice, we've got steam, we've got some in the new effects, the kind of the, the glowy sort of thing, the kind of pulse of light and everything. And yeah, they actually kind of do go out of their way to make it look like shit, they've actually killed the Doctor. Yeah, I like all the dry ice pumping down. Yeah, I, um, the, the, the Omega effect on top of the ice is really yeah. effective. Um. And actually, look at that. You know, it's pumping it down. You know, they've gone out of their way it to make it. feels quite a big set as well. Yeah. And I love Nissa's reaction. She's crying. She's got a tear. Yeah, that's Nissa really great. This, that is a good cliffhanger. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, in season 19, they made Nissa too much of a bit of a cold, compassionate scientist because you got Tegan domineering everything. I think if Tegan hadn't been so all-powerful, if they hadn't made the season 19 arc, the Tegan arc, mm. Nyssa would have been a much more kind of valued companion. Watch her in Snake Dance, because yeah. Tegan's out of the way in Snake Dance, and, again, and it's a great script for Nyssa. Look at how strong she is in those final scenes where she comes in, she waves the gun out, she knows who to point at. She's yeah. got spirit. 
Do you know what I always say as well? You know the bit in the minute where she says, I hope you know what you've done. done. Yeah. And I always think to myself, why the hell didn't they do a period drama with Nissa in it? I don't, I'm not talking about Black Orchid. Because no. she would have been... Sarah Sutton was made to do that sort of story. And when they do historicals for Big Finish, like the Peterloo Massacre... Mm. I don't know if you heard that one. Oh, I've heard them all, yeah. She has a cliffhanger where um, somebody dies and she reacts to somebody's death. Yeah. In a very sort of period drama way. It's, her acting is fantastic. I know Sarah Sutton gave up acting for all kinds of reasons. I wish she hadn't. I think Sarah Sutton could have gone on to have been a much bigger star. I maintain she's the strongest regular uh, in terms of acting in yes. the Davison era. Yeah. People think I'm mad when I say no. that because because I think all anyone sees is Janet Fielding. And this this is the real problem with, and I don't I don't know if it's Janet Fielding or if it's Tegan. I mean, my my problem is when Janet came back to do the audios on a more regular basis. I mean, she did that. She did Joe Lidster's one as a one off, and then of course a few years later she she came back for the kind of the older Nissa arc and everything. You can tell that the writers have been told to make Janet the lead companion. Because Yes, she... but I do think there's a shift. She's written with a lot of humour. And yeah. And that's and I what I really quite enjoy her on I audio. Think that's what's missing from season 19. And why All she's... of it. I don't think she's funny in any of no. the tapes <laughs> era. And it, in some ways, it's why that mini-season of Big Finish jars. Because suddenly, you know... Kind of like, it's really weird. And I mean, the whole, I mean, don't get me started on kind of what they do and don't and undo and maybe do to the death of Adric stuff. Oh. I mean, they, that's just such a clusterfuck. <laughs> Adric um, the Scorpion King. Yeah. And then suddenly he is actually dead after all in The Lost Resort, which takes place after The Boy That Time Forgot. And yeah, I had not forgiven Big Finish for that. I think that was a big mistake. Um, but I think where like Janet Fielding shines is in stories like Time in Office, where <laughs> she's like the power behind the throne of Gallifrey yeah. after the Doctor takes up the presidency after yeah. five Doctors, and she's so funny. I mean, say it's in some ways it's a shame that kind of Janet hasn't been on Gallifrey yet, <laughs> but in other ways, yeah, it's giving Sarah Sutton the the chance to shine. Um, and hurrah for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I, I would like to think that occasionally people like um, Janet or Colin or whatever listen to, to various fan podcasts. Um, if you are listening, Colin, you are magnificent. Janet, if you are listening, just let the others speak. <laughs> if, this, if, if this makes its way to you, you are magnificent. Please come back to acting 